Hello, my sweet creative cutie, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso, and if you don't know, I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, public speaker, actor, creative coach, and your friend. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim the word creative, take fear out of the driver's seat, and love yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. On the show, we explore the creative process and journey, mental health, self-development, spirituality, and everything it means to be a human and become more human. Today, I'm going to share more revelations I learned from taking a month-long break from doing the podcast and slowing down a bit, and also just from the past few weeks of living. But before I do, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about my uncle, Tony Roboto. He was also my godfather, and he recently passed away. And I'm actually back home in Michigan right now. I'm sitting in my childhood house on the couch in the office room and have been helping plan the funeral. And one thing that just was so abundantly clear about Uncle Tony was he was always just living life to the fullest. He always had a story to tell. He always had food to share with somebody. And he always wanted to experience and enjoy life in its fullness for everything it was. He wanted to taste and see and experience and be part of life. And so I am letting his life inspire me right now to to try to live with that same passion and go after life in an equally passionate way. He was also always so passionate about learning. He had a real passion for continued education. He was always spouting off these random facts. And so that's another thing that's inspiring me about my Uncle Tony. But we celebrate his life this Friday and Saturday. We have the wake because we're Catholic on Friday and the funeral on Saturday. And yeah, just really missing him. It was kind of unexpected. And I'm going to do a full episode about Uncle Tony and what his life and death has brought up in me and how it's making me reevaluate life in general and death. But for now, I want to do what I told you I was going to do last week. And thank you so much also for being patient. You know, I think in, in the history of Unleash, I've done maybe one or two shows late. One was definitely when my grandma passed away. So sometimes when life takes control, you have to let it, which Brings me to my first point that I want to talk about today, which is I'm no longer making decisions out of fear or scarcity thinking. So there was a moment last night. Let me paint the picture for you. I had gotten into Detroit. I took the red eye the night before. I slept maybe two hours. I went through the whole day and worked and helped fill in the gaps with my family and plan things, talk to the music director at the church because I'm singing at the funeral, um, put together the whole, I was going to say set list, but the musical selections for the mass. I, like I said, worked all day long. Then at night, helped plan the funeral and the visitation with my mom and my aunt, who is my uncle's widow, and I'm very close to my Aunt Marianne and my dad. And then we wrapped everything up around 10, 1030. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go up now and record my podcast. At this point, I'd been up for nearly 24 hours. And my first thought was, well, I have to record the podcast because if I don't record the podcast, then that's going to affect the downloads. And I don't want to get behind and like lose downloads because I don't submit it right on time. And I don't want people to be disappointed and forget about me because if they don't see it right away on Wednesday when they're expecting it, they'll forget about me. So I have to do it now. And then I stopped for a second (laughs) 
And I was like, do you really want to be publishing a podcast when you feel this way? When you're completely doing it out of fear and scarcity thinking and because you feel like you have to rather than it's a joyful thing for you. I am electively doing this show. I get paid for it, but it's not my main source of income. This is something that I am doing because I am passionate about it and I love it. If I am starting to do a podcast or any sort of creativity because I'm afraid if I don't do it, something bad will happen to me or I will lose clout or I will lose visibility or I'm doing it because it feels like an obligation, then it's the exact opposite reason of why I want to be creating. So I pumped the brakes last night and I just said, no, I'm not going to do it from this point of view. I'm sticking by what I said, which is that when I make something, I want to be lit up about it. And I want to be thinking about how I want someone to feel when they consume the creative exploit. And so just frankly, wasn't even close to being in that place last night. I could barely keep my eyes open watching Barry on HBO, which by the way is a great show. You should check it out. Yeah, it was definitely the right decision to pause and go to bed. I ended up sleeping 10 hours. It was glorious. But you just never want to create from that point of view if you have the choice. So I really realized I'm not making any new decisions out of scarcity. I still have some old longstanding decisions that I've made that were from scarcity that have gotten grandfathered into the new system, but I'm working on slowly phasing those out. But any new decisions that I make, I'm going to be as conscious as I possibly can to not make them from a place of scarcity, fear, and lack, and rather, what do I want? What would best serve my soul and who I really am? How can I live in intention and integrity with myself? And guess what? Before I did this recording, I literally visualized you listening to this and how I wanted you to feel and me connecting with you. And I felt so excited. I had like butterflies in my heart for like, oh my God, I get to record. This is so exciting. Which brings me to another thing that I've realized. And that is you can make something work for you. Just because you don't like something the way it is, like some version of your creativity or part of your life, that doesn't mean you have to give that thing up entirely or that you have to completely change course. It could just mean that the way in which you're doing it right now is no longer good for you and no longer serving you. For instance, this podcast, I really realized I love doing solo shows. I love doing shows with my friends. The interviews, while they're great, feel like work to me. And I'm, I'm good at them and I like them and I've made amazing lifelong friendships from them. I know some of them have really helped you. I definitely want to keep doing those. But I, I actually even like editing my solo shows, which I usually hate editing. But something about it's fun because I'm sitting here monologuing. I'm basically doing a therapy session with you, with myself. And as I listen and edit, I'm realizing, oh, that must be really bothering me. I keep repeating that thing. I notice my patterns. I, I'm lit up by things I say that I miss because, you know, you can never really hear yourself. Sometimes people repeat things back to me that I say, and I'm like, I said that. I don't remember saying that. So it's just like a good litmus test for where you are in your life. And it's kind of honestly a diary for me and a great way to just connect with you and be sharing my heart. And when I'm interviewing someone, I'm completely in service to them and to you, 
listening, but really I'm trying to make sure that they have a great experience and get to tell their story in as helpful and an authentic way as possible. But it's really not about me and my self-expression, which is the thing that I feel I'm lacking in my life, which is part of why I was feeling so unhappy. So doing these solo shows and doing more shows with friends where it's more of like a back and forth ping pong kind of thing and energy exchange versus I'm giving all my energy to someone it's way more helpful for me. So I'm not saying this is going to be all the time, but I'm certainly going to make the solo shows and the shows with friends more frequent because number one, they're much easier to produce. They're more fun. I feel more connected to you and to what I'm doing. And yeah, it's just, it's lighting me up. So if there's something you're doing in your life or creativity and you're starting to like gray out and feel blah about it, ask yourself, very honestly, is it the thing that I'm doing or is it the way that I'm doing it? And if it's the way that I'm doing it, is there a way I could do it instead that would feel warm to me? Is there something that I could change, just a slight change that would make this more exciting and joyful and doable to keep doing week after week? And for me, it's increasing the number of solo shows, increasing the number of shows with friends. I'd also like to increase the number of coaching shows because that really lights me up. If you are interested in coaching, definitely reach out to me on Instagram or email unleashyourinnercreative at gmail.com. I love doing coaching episodes where I help you take all the things that you're passionate about, all the things you're creative about, and figure out how to put them into a business or just even like figure out what you're passionate about and start enjoying it as a recreational thing. Or take what you're already doing and take it to the next level through some creative ideas. It's like kind of like creative therapy. So that's one. Another thing is that sometimes you just have to take the long way around. And it's really frustrating when you're in the journey. But once you start reaching the destination, you're like, oh, I had to go way out of the way in order to come back to this place the right way. It's an Edward Elby quote. It's something like sometimes you have to go or sometimes it is necessary to go a long way out of the way in order to come back to the right place correctly. And it's so true. And it's weird. I saw that play once when I was 18. It, the play that that came from Edward Elby, by the way, if you don't know, he is a theater writer. He, he's a, um, a writer for the theater and a playwright. That's what they call him. <laughs> So anyway, he's a playwright and he wrote this play called Zoo Story, which my friend Jordan is going to be in, I think, this upcoming weekend. So you should go see it. I don't know any of the details, but follow him at the Jordan Lear program and you'll find out. Um, but I saw this play for the first time when I was 18. And weirdly enough, this line hit me like a ton of bricks. And it's something I've come back to time and time and time and time again throughout the course of my life. And it's just a saying that basically sometimes you have to go a long way out of the way in order to come back to the right place correctly. So I think about that a lot with my creativity and my career. And again, funnily enough, Jordan and I started playing music together. He was the first person I ever really wrote music with and definitely the first person I played it with. And we started playing music together 10 years ago. And we took a long break because basically music was more of a passion for me than it was for him. He really liked acting and stand up comedy. And finally, we're starting to come back together and play again. And I swear to God, we played a show together last week. It was like something lit up in me. 
finally this big question mark that I've had inside of me of like, why have things not felt right with music? Why have I been feeling like blah? Why have I been feeling just kind of numb about it? It started rising up and coming to the surface and it was like, oh, like this piece of fun has been totally missing. And I forgot how much fun I have with Jordan when I play and how much I can literally play with him on stage. I mean, this past show we did, it was like a comedy show meets a podcast meets a music show meets a vaudeville act meets like just two friends chatting and talking and interacting with the audience. And it was like a talk show. I did opera at the end. Like it had everything involved in it. And I felt that feeling again that I hadn't felt in so long, which is like, oh yeah, like this is one of the best parts of being alive is live performance and connecting with an audience and just playing and living and being in flow. But we had to take that long break, go all the way out of the way to come back together correctly. I think that that's just something to always keep in mind is like you never know when partnerships, whether it's like a creative partnership or a romantic partnership, a friendship can come back into your life when some sort of creative outlet can come back into your life. I mean, I've always thought that with acting, that someday it would come back into my life again, and that I had to go this long way out of the way in order to come back to that place correctly from a healthy mindset. I actually think now if I really tried acting again, which I do dabble from time to time, you know, it's like in my little bio at the top, but if I really tried it again, I think I'd kill it because I don't care anymore, and I would just have fun with it. I don't know. I think that that's kind of what happens to us with creativity a lot of the time. It starts out as this fun, joyful thing that we just love and we want to do it so badly. And then that desire to have fun and joy and expression, it gets a little crinkly and shrunken up and like desperate because you're like, I want to do this so badly and I love this so much. If I don't do this, I don't know what's going to happen. And then you almost have to like numb out or let it go for a little bit so that you can come back to it from a place of health. And then you come back to it and either you don't care anymore, which is great because then you can move on to something different, or you still really care, but it's fun again because you let it go and let your attachment to it go and found the joy again. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I think, I mean, that does involve taking a break of some sort. It doesn't mean you have to completely put it out of your life, but sometimes you have to go a long way out of the way in order to come back to the right place correctly. Thank you, Edward LB. And speaking of which, in general, I just want more partnerships. I have been writing solo for so long on all of my creative exploits, and I'm just ready to have more like-minded and like-hearted people to do work with. It is so much more fun when you have somebody who has the same goal as you, who's in it to win it, and who's willing to work the same way that you work. So more partnerships equals more fun, equals honestly getting places faster. I mean, the fastest I ever grew in my music career was when I was working with Jordan. And I really think we had something magical together because we were on the same journey, same path, had the same love, had the same spirit for music. So I, I've seen it work before in my life. And so I'm looking for more people to partner with and putting that out there that I'm bringing them in. You know, I also found a really great music producer that I'm going to be working with. I was feeling all downtrodden about 
oh, I'm not recording anything. This is bad. And actually, this brings me to another point that I realized during my break, and that was sometimes you have to try to understand why you're dragging your feet. So if you aren't doing something that you think you want to do, it's not just that you're a loser and an asshole. There's a reason. And I mean, I guess if a certain amount of time goes on and you're still dragging your feet and you know you want those things, no, I'm actually not even going to give you that because most of the time there is a why to it. It's not always a why that is rooted in some sort of productive reasoning. It could be a false story you're telling yourself, which you have to also get honest with yourself about. So if, you, if you've been waiting for 10 years to write your first book and you know you want to write a book, but you haven't even taken a pen to paper on one occasion, then you do have to get to the bottom of it. Usually it sources from some sort of shame talk or feeling of not enoughness. But I'm not talking about that particular kind of thing. Sometimes you're dragging your feet because your gut or your subconscious or your soul knows that there is something that is standing between you and what you're supposed to do. I've had so many instances where I was dragging my feet on something. I couldn't figure out why. And then I found out more information and there was a very good reason that I was moving so slow. An example would be when I was meaning to sign a contract with someone, but it felt really off. I knew it was a good opportunity, but I just didn't want to do it. And it turned out that person was not a good person to work with at all. And I dodged a bullet because me taking so long to sign the contract actually saved me from partnering with somebody who is not in alignment with what I want to do in the world and who I am. The last particular instance of it was I was beating myself up because I hadn't found a producer to work with. And I felt like, oh, I'm not recording any new music. I'm so bad. What's wrong with me? Don't I like music? Don't I want to be successful? If I wanted to be successful, why wouldn't I be recording? And I did this last show with Jordan and my roommate, Sarah, who's also one of my best friends and a great professional in the music industry, came up to me after and she's like, you're not pop. You're like, you're rock. I mean, you're rock with some poppiness and some soul in there. But you're not pop and you need to start bringing that rock out because what I saw tonight was impressive. That was you. That was the real you. And I was about to send this new producer this batch of pop songs when really like they didn't feel in alignment with me. And I have these rocky songs that I'm really interested in that are about inherited trauma and codependency and like deeper family issues that I really want to get these messages out because I feel like they're applicable and things that I'm really passionate about right now and people need to hear and they're rock soul blues pop you know they're not pop I love pop music by the way but I've always felt like I had like an inner Janis Joplin and um even Bishop Briggs she's like a poppy rock singer alternative I guess a lot of people would say but to look back and now know, okay, part of the reason I've been dragging my feet is because I don't feel like I was being represented accurately out in the world as a musician. And I want to get that like rocky soulfulness into the next thing I do and find a way to do this next song super authentically. So if you're dragging your feet, instead of just beating yourself up and telling yourself how bad you are, ask why why get really curious start doing morning pages about it start asking that question before you go to bed and asking god or spirit for a dream that tells you what's going on and why you're feeling blocked it could be that you have an intuition that this project you're going into 
isn't the right one. It could be that you're just afraid and, and don't feel good enough and that you need to do some shadow work and self-love work to get to a place where you feel like you have a platform of self-love so that you can put this out into the world. It could be that you don't feel like you're ready as an artist or creative yet and that you need more time to incubate. It could be that the financials aren't there. There's so many reasons, but it's really convenient to just sit there and shame yourself and shame talk yourself and and say how bad you are. But it's a little bit more work <laughs> to ask yourself what what is the why underneath the stagnancy. But you must in order to get through the stagnancy and also in order to not shame yourself because that doesn't help anything and to get to a place of self-love and creation. One more thing that came out of that recent show. So we were playing the show, Jordan and I, and there was a tip jar that was at this venue. And I'm like, that's great because I never put a tip jar out, which that's a story in and of itself. But I decided to put the tip jar out, but listen to where I had it. So I had a tripod set up that had a camera in it. And then to the right of that, I had a mic stand. And then behind the mic stand, like right next to me, so like basically on the stage, was a stool with the tip jar on it. So in order for somebody to get to the tip jar, they had to walk past the camera, like straddle the mic stand, basically stand right next to me on stage and like sneakily behind the mic stand, put the money in the jar. Still, even with all those obstacles, three brave souls came onto the stage and did that, which was so kind. But then about 50 minutes into the show, after watching this really sweet man brave the obstacle course that I had set up to get to this tip jar, I realized, oh, you can't have the tip jar in such an inconvenient place if you're actually asking for tips. Put it in a place that's convenient, not completely awkward for people to get to. And then this just became a huge metaphor for life because, you know, you can think that you're asking for something. And maybe you are. Maybe maybe you're asking for something. Maybe you're doing something. But if you make whatever this tip jar symbol is in your life so difficult to get to, you could have it out. You could be in a, a perfectly good situation. You could be great at what you're doing, but nobody's going to give you money because you've made it impossible for them to get there. And so I'm starting to really wonder, like, what are the barricaded tip jars in my life? Like, what things am I doing and asking for in my life that I think I'm being super clear about because I'm asking for them, but they're actually underneath all of this. They're underneath a barricade. Like, what, what is that in my life? I don't really know yet, but it was just such a clear metaphor for me because we can think we're doing the right things, but maybe the things around the thing are actually inhibiting us from getting that abundance that we desire. So move the chip jars of your life out into the open. Make it easy for people to help you, basically is what I'm saying. And for you to help yourself. Okay, speaking of money, one hard lesson I learned during my little break is that people really only appreciate what they pay for. And this might seem counterintuitive, but let me tell you how I came to the lesson. So you may remember me announcing on the show that I was doing a free get together, free little workshop for people who listen to the show. And this is something I really did want to do. I felt in my heart, this is a 
an act of service that I wanted to do for my community because you guys have been so supportive to me and really helped me get through. I also really like leading sessions like this. I like helping people get in touch with themselves, helping each other, getting unleashed. I mean, this is what I live to do. So I love doing this. About seven or eight people signed up. And this was the Saturday before Mother's Day, mind you. I sent out a calendar invite. I was all set to go. I made my little itinerary for what the day was going to be. I planned to be with them for about an hour and a half. And half an hour before all these emails start rolling in. Oh, sorry, I can't make it anymore. I'm running late. It's not going to work out for me today. Oh, my gosh, I totally forgot. A few people also just like didn't even bother to show up. Now, this was a thing I was doing free of charge. Okay. At first, because this was when I was taking my break, I felt as if all my worst fears are coming true. I mean, listen, it's like having a birthday party and nobody shows up. That's what it felt like. It felt like a total rejection and slap in the face. I know it wasn't that. If you're one of the people who was supposed to attend and didn't, I love you. I get it. The same thing very easily could have happened to me. And it has happened to me dozens of times for things that I didn't pay for. But what I realize is if I had even charged $5 a person or done a pay what you can, I think that almost everyone would have been there if not everybody would have been there. Because when you pay for something, even a very small amount for something, it's an energy exchange. It's a show of respect that I think you are valuable enough to put my money down on. In exchange for that, you're going to give me your time and energy. But in this case, it was like I was giving out all my energy. And yes, I get something back because it's fulfilling and it feels good and whatever. But it really wasn't an equal energy exchange. And I think I'm past the point in my life, at least in certain areas, where I can really do that anymore. If you're not my family or friend or somebody that's very close to my family and friends, I don't think that I can give away my energy like that because I just don't have enough to give for free. And the stuff that I do do for free, it's it's like, you know, philanthropic charity work. It would have been easy from that to say, oh, gosh. And I did say this, believe me. I was I was distraught that day. But it would have been really easy from that to say, oh, gosh, if I, no one will even do something free I did, how am I ever going to get somebody to care about me enough to, like, do something that they have to pay for? It would have been really easy to think that. But it hit me 20 minutes into my deep crying session, the reason this is happening is because they didn't pay for it. It's because you did this for free and you shouldn't be doing that anymore. It's time to ask for money, maybe even just a little bit, but it was a big aha for me on value and value of my time and where I'm at in my life and that I do want to do more things like that, but I want it to be part of my work. And I will tell you, you know, anecdotally, I've seen people who have huge, huge, huge followings who have had a ton of RSVPs and sometimes only a third of the people that RSVP for something free will show up. So it happens across the board. And it's just something to think of as you start building your career, your creative exploits, whatever it is that you're doing professionally, people really only respect and appreciate what they pay for. And that's not universally true, but 
I have seen it kind of across the board. And you have to realize if you're getting past the point of doing something for free. Because if not, the universe will slap you in the face and nobody will come to your party and you'll cry. (laughs) But really. Yeah, I feel like I kind of had like a lot of ego deaths this month. That was certainly one of them. It was like, oh, you thought that you could rely on other people for validation? Slap, slap, slap. But another of them was TikTok and continues to be in a way because here's the thing about TikTok. I've said it on the podcast before. People who go viral on TikTok make it seem like, oh, yeah, I breathed one day and then I went viral and now I'm making all my money from TikTok. It's like I'm working my ass off here, babe. And I can't get people to give a fuck. (laughs) I can't get people to care at all. That's not exactly true. I mean, my followers went up by like, I don't know, 30. But I find it very difficult. And I don't really have like a big and then this happened. But I guess I am getting many opportunities to kill my ego and move more toward myself and care more about the soul. I guess that goes into like not doing fear-based things anymore too. But one thing I am doing, like I said, is really thinking about how I want people to feel, trying to do things I genuinely enjoy because I think that that will get better reception anyway. But I can't do it from this place of, oh, I really hope I go viral because if I go viral, my whole life could change. You know, I'm trying to do it from a place of I'm doing this because I really want to do it instead of I need to have this or else I won't be okay. And I've kind of taken a pause from it in the past week, and I'm fine with that because every time I was posting, I felt like I had to do it. But yeah, TikTok makes me feel bad. Don't really have a takeaway from that, except that if it makes you feel bad because other people make it seem like it's super easy to go viral, it's not. And you shouldn't feel bad, and you're a good person, and the internet's fake, and it could all blow up one day, so who cares? I mean, I still want a girl following on there, but I'm not going to let it destroy my self-esteem because at the end of the day, none of this stuff is real. And I just want to make things that make me feel good and make you feel good and make other people feel good and make them want to join our community. So if it can become a community building tool, cool. I'm going to try, but I'm going to work really hard at not wrapping my self-worth up in it and not getting tied up in the comparison game of other people I know who have gotten big on there easily, pretty easily, with great content, don't get me wrong, but I feel pretty easily with great content because I know so many wildly talented people that still are having a hard time getting seen, and I don't think it's a depiction of them not being talented enough. That's all I want to say about that. The other thing is there is a price for getting too big too fast. Or big fast, maybe not too big too fast, but big fast. And that is, you know, you really don't mentally have any time to prepare yourself for that. I've also seen that happen a few times in the past couple years. And it's jarring for people going from kind of being a normal person to having millions of eyes on you. Like that's that's a lot. That's not something probably that the human brain was made for or is prepared for at this juncture. And When you're under that kind of microscope, you don't get to make mistakes anymore without everybody noticing. I think I maybe have talked about this on the show before, but my therapist said to me one day, what's good about being in the building stage? What's beautiful about being 
in the grind right now? What's nice about not having quote unquote made it yet? And there are benefits. So that's something I want you to think about too. If you are in the building stages of your business or your creativity or your even your like dating life, you're, you've been single for a while and you really want to be with someone, what's beautiful about right now and what's the benefit of not being in the ideal scenario yet? What do you get to do that you couldn't do if you had made it in the way you wanted to, if you found the love of your life, if you had a multi-million dollar business? What do you get to do right now that you couldn't do in those scenarios? And then start enjoying those things. Start making the most of those things. It's like that I keep going back to that episode with Dr. Martini because I do think it was so powerful where he says, basically, you need to balance out the good and bad. Like nothing is all good and nothing is all bad. So yeah, really think about what's beautiful about this exact moment you're in and how can you appreciate that more? And I really have been trying just gratitude because, you know, we've been pulling a lot of Bible verses from my Uncle Tony's funeral and so much of the Bible, like the beautiful parts of the Bible are just talking about the more grateful you are, the more you will be given. The more you give, the more you're given. Like it, it just, it's repetitive through basically every spiritual text. The more gratitude you have, the more generous you are, the more you get. So try really hard to live in the gratitude of this moment, of this journey, of even the pain, because there is beauty in the pain. Okay, two more quick things. Give yourself optimal spaces to create. Earlier today, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to make this podcast at the desk in the office with all the windows wide open when it's pitch black outside. Didn't sound too comfy or cute. So I started sitting down and I'm like, oh, I just don't feel good. It does. You want to be in a place where you feel comfortable and good when you're making something that's coming from your heart. So I decided to not sit in the office with all of the blinds. I think drawn is when they're up. No, drawn is when they're closed. With all the blinds wide open and up. And I started, because I was going to not do it. Long story long. I was going to not put them all the way up because they um, are really, really hard to lower because they're really old. So anyway, sorry, mom and dad to call you out like that, but you know, you need new blinds in this room. Sorry. It's been like 33 years anyway. So I was going to not lower them, but I lowered most of them. And then I called my dad who is incredible at fixing things. If you didn't know, he's a fix it man of the year. And he lowered the two I couldn't lower. And then I moved myself to the couch because I need to be comfortable when I create. I Sometimes I like sitting at a desk if I'm writing something out, you know, but most often I like to be in a place of comfort. I like working while I'm comfortable. So sue me. This is my right. If I have a couch, I want to sit on it. Couches are expensive. You should make the most out of them. So anyway, that's what I'm doing and I'm enjoying it and once I sat on the couch, I was like, oh, yeah, I can do a good podcast here. I just needed to be in an optimal place to create. So, again, if you're feeling blocked, sometimes it's literally just the venue or maybe it's not even the venue as a whole. It's just the part of the venue you've chosen. So get into a place where you feel comfortable and where you feel like you can be yourself. And my final little piece here 
it's something that maybe relates to creativity, but also just more, more generally in life. And that is don't say yes to something that somebody asks you to do and then get mad at them when they expect you to do the thing that you told them that you were going to do. In that case, you don't get to resent them because you committed to it. The person you're really mad at and that you're resenting is yourself. I actually learned this a long time ago, but I keep seeing it play out, so I think it bears repeating. Choose guilt over resentment because when you say no to someone and then you feel guilty about it, I mean, ideally, of course, you would feel neither, but if you have to choose one, choose guilt over resentment. Holly Whitaker came on my podcast. She's a sobriety expert, really cool woman. She said this in her book, Choose Guilt Over Resentment, because when you say no to someone, you may feel guilty about it, but at least you're not putting angry energy toward that person. When you say yes to someone and you end up betraying yourself and you end up resenting them because of that, you're putting angry energy on them that they did not ask for and that they do not want. And that's really not right. So if you did say yes to someone and you supposedly wanted to do it, either you just have to suck it up and find some sort of joy in it or back out of it, but but you don't get to resent them. You said yes, you have to do the thing. And I mean, I guess it also gets to like set better boundaries. Most people don't want you to do things that you feel miserable, miserable about. And if they do, then they don't really belong in your life or your work. Obviously, I'm not talking about super toxic or abusive situations. I know that in a lot of cases, you don't have the ability to to set good boundaries there. But in that case, and I've been in those situations before in my creative journey, you really need to extricate yourself from the situation. You really need to get out of that situation because with those people, boundaries will never work. So anyway, but in most cases, you can't get mad at the person. You have to learn on your own to set better boundaries and stop betraying yourself. Or if you said yes to something and you don't want to back out, but you are feeling a little resentful, you have to get back to why you said yes in the first place and find the joy in it. You need to get better at not offering things that you don't mean to offer. That's something that I found out a long time ago. I used to do nice things for people and then I'd get all upset when they wouldn't thank me for it. And it's like I decided after this one time when I helped somebody get a job and they never thanked me for it that I can either do things because I want to do them because they're nice and they're the right thing to do and that's what I want to do or I don't do them at all because Sitting here wanting somebody to like kiss my ass because I did something nice for them. Yeah, it would be nice if they did that, but they don't have to. Like no one has to do anything. So you really have to get okay with doing things only because you want to do them. Because if you don't betray yourself and you want to do the thing, then no matter how that person reacts to the nice thing you did, you're never going to feel mad because you were doing what you wanted to do anyway. (sighs) All right. I think that that wraps it up. I hope this was good. Halfway through, I was like, oh my God, am I so annoying? Um, I think that I think that every time I podcast, but I will say I had so much fun. So, and I was really myself. So if you think I'm annoying, maybe I'm not for you. Anyway, I'm trying really hard to show you more parts of myself. You know, I really am a fun, weird, quirky ass person And I have a lot of wisdom to share. I always used to say I'm like a hybrid between Amy Sedaris and Deepak Chopra. And that's where I want to live. So if you're on board with that and you like people like that and you feel like that on the inside, 
or you just gravitate to people like that, that's the kind of community I want to build. A hybrid of silly weirdos who love spiritual stuff and are so interested in self-development and mental health and helping make a world of people who know themselves and love themselves and love each other. If you're on that journey with me, welcome. Let's do this together. Let's walk together. Let's hold hands. I am so into it. And I love you so much. And I don't know. I I just started feeling weird about the thing I said about money because money's so weird and people get so weird about money. And I'm sure that will trigger somebody listening. Be like, what does she mean? She's not going to do anything for free. I mean, this podcast is a free offering for you. It's my honor to do it. It's my love to do it. It's my passion to do this. You know, I still believe in free offerings, but I think just intense things like that where I'm doing a lot of work and working with people one-on-one, that's where it has to transition. And so, and I charge you to, I didn't even mean to use that word, but I challenge you in your own life and your own work to figure out the places where you've been giving away for free that maybe you should start charging even a little, even $1 for something. Is it, it makes a world of difference. My cousin once said to me, he's a very successful businessman. He said, there's a world of difference between zero and $50. And he meant that like, you know, if you pay somebody to, I don't know, pass out flyers for you for a show you're doing, you know, there's a world of difference between zero and $50 and how somebody approaches it because it is an energy exchange and a show of respect. So just something to think about. Anyway, I was feeling weird about it. So I I wanted to tell you because I'm trying to keep it a hundred as the kids say. Thank you so much for listening. I love you with all my heart. This show means the world to me, and you do too. I will be back next week. I think I'm going to air this incredible episode I have with a woman named Yemi Penn. She talks all about transforming your trauma into purpose and basically alchemizing your pain. And she's incredible. I think you're going to love it. So definitely come back for that. And what else do I usually say here? Oh, remember to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow the show there. Tell a friend about the show. Post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative. And I will repost to share my gratitude. And thank you, Liz Full, for the show's theme music. You can follow her at Liz Full. And oh, I have a very special concert coming up on June 25th. It's going to be in Koreatown. More details are forthcoming. But it's going to be super fun. And so I highly recommend you come. That's going to be on a rooftop in Koreatown. So it's going to be pretty cool in L.A. And that's a Saturday. Rarely doing shows on Saturdays. So you got to check it out. And uh, my wish for you this week is that you do your own sort of inventory. I've just been keeping the notes app open on my phone and writing like ideas down as they come to me. Start an ideas log. It is the greatest thing in the world. Anyway, um, one final rest in peace for my Uncle Tony. Love you so much, Uncle Tony. Thank you for being a great example of how to live life to the absolute fullest and fill up a room with laughter and smiles and delicious food. May we all live like Uncle Tony did. That's also my wish for you this week. I love you so much, and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.